Christmas. Happy New Year to every single one of you. Right, for the past three, yes, amen. For the past three weeks, we have looked at altars. We have learned what altars are, the spiritual laws that govern altars. So today we are going to look at the cross of Calvary, the altar of Christ, a place of consecration. We will also look at the things God has made available for us at the altar of the cross, the things we receive by faith when we give our life at the altar of God. But first of all, I want to share a message the Lord gave me in 2011. And um, in 2011, as I was praying, I started to hear the voice of the Father speaking in my heart, asking, how long are they going to be feeding my children spiritual milk? They make up stories and tell my children, when are they going to start feeding my children the real gospel? The cross, Jesus Christ crucified and hellfire. They dwell too much on my love, but that is just one aspect of me. What about my justice? Okay, this is just, you know, the first part of the message he gave me that day. But there was a lot of other things he spoke about. And then another day when I was also praying, this was also in 2011, I heard the Lord himself started to speak. And this is what he said. He said, I want you to preach to my children what I have done for them on the cross. They need to come to the full knowledge of the message of the cross. If not, they will not be set free. They need to accept what I have done for them on the cross. I have taken the keys of Hades from Satan. They need not fear anymore. The devil is using the spirit of fear to trap my children, fear of death. I have defeated death. Remember, I rose from death on the third day. The grave could not hold me. The same thing with my children. Death cannot hold them. If they believe in me and the thing I did on the cross, they need to get that into their spirit and stop listening to the lies of the devil. When they stop doing, when, when they stop doing that, they will have their freedom, the freedom that cost me my human life. They need to believe me, my child. They need to believe me. Okay, so this is the two messages I received from the Lord and then the Father. And what they are talking about is also about the altar of the cross. Because our churches are not preaching the cross as an altar. So this is really grieving God's heart. So as we continue with our teaching this night, you know, first of all, we need to understand that Jesus Christ is our fuel line. His power comes through the altar of the cross. Only by being connected with Christ through faith can anyone have eternal life, okay? And only through a continuing, you know, as we continually connect with him, can anyone have power for living, power for living, his Holy Spirit in us. Like in John 15, verse, five, verse 4 to 5, Jesus said, 
re, you know, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Jesus became our lifeline through the altar of the cross. At the cross, Jesus canceled the certificate of debt God had against us, okay? Because of our inability to meet the righteous demand of his law. At the cross, Jesus canceled our debt to God. When he took the record of the charges against us and nailed it to the cross, and nailed it to the cross. So the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter two, from verse 14 to 15, I'll just read it. It says, he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and powers who held the law of sin and death over our lives, okay? He shamed them publicly. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. What this means for us is when you give your life to Jesus, no demon in hell can stop you from being delivered if you want to be delivered, okay? It's a matter of choice if you want to be delivered. It does not matter how long that spirit has been operating in your life, spirit of witchcraft, spirit of wickedness, spirit of darkness, whatever spirit that has been operating in your life and in your bloodline, once you have made up your mind that you want to be delivered from this spirit, you will be delivered by the power of the Holy Ghost. You will be delivered, okay? So the moment you, we decide that we want to be free from this spirit, we can be free by the power of the cross. So, you know, why, you know, the reason is, the reason we have this power to be delivered is because Jesus disarmed all principalities and powers at the cross, you know, at the cross, he disarmed them. When you disarm somebody, when somebody is coming to you with a, a gun or something and you disarm them, that means you have taken that gun away from them. So this is what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. He disarmed principalities and powers, these demons that were holding sin over our head, okay? So such is the power of the cross. Jesus's death at the cross, at the altar of the cross disarmed Satan. He disarmed sin that leads to death and Satan and the power of death because these three things were working together against us. That is sin, death, and Satan. They, you know, and Satan had the power of death. So sin, death, and Satan were working together to send people to hell. Separated from God, that created them. That is what these three things were doing, okay? But at the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus crushed the head of Satan at the cross, at the cross of the altar. You know, remember what we said, that an altar is a place of sacrifice. So Jesus gave his own life at the cross for us in order for him to disarm Satan, sin, and death. These three things had power over our life. Remember what the Lord of God said, those, any soul that sin will die, okay? So 
the law came in. And because the law came in, any time we sinned, these three things will come in into our life. You know, death. And Satan is the, you know, the orchestrator of death. So those things came into our life. But at the cross, as an altar, Jesus crushed Satan's head and Satan himself bruised his heels. Jesus at the cross, you know, also disarmed spirits of wickedness. He disarmed the spirit of death. The Bible says he shamed them publicly by his victory over them at the cross. So the reality is that nobody is ending up in hell today. You know, just because Satan and because of wicked spirits are working against them. No, the reason anybody will end up in hell is because they rejected Jesus, the son of God. So if people are going to hell, it's not because of, you know, sin, it's not because of death, it's not because of Satan, because Jesus have defeated these things at the cross. They are going to hell because of the choices they have made. They have made a choice not to believe and have faith in what God has presented to us to stop us from going to hell. This is the reason people go to hell. It's not because, you know, Satan is, is, uh, is dragging them to hell. It's because of the choice they make. They made the choice not to believe, not to believe in Jesus, not to believe that he's, you know, he's taking their sins away at the cross of the altar. So the victory over those supernatural evil forces was established for us at the cross of Jesus, the altar of cross, at the altar of the, you know, of the Lord. The cross is a very powerful altar. The altar of the cross of Jesus is a superior altar on earth, the most superior altar on the earth. The power of Satan in our life has been nullified. As I say again, the power of Satan in our lives has been nullified at the cross, you know, at the altar of the cross. Jesus nullified it. When you, when you nullify something, that means it has no power anymore against you. So whatever forces that was coming against you before, they have no power anymore. Jesus nullified the power of Satan at the cross. Okay, so the altar of the cross has delivered us of every demonic power that will want to do anything against us. So all the powers Satan had against the children of God or against human beings has been nullified. So Satan doesn't have any power against us anymore, apart from the power we give him for not believing in what Jesus did at the cross. So that's the only power he has against us. So this is the reason it is so important to preach about the cross of Jesus Christ as an altar. It is very important, okay? This was where the justice of God was met. You remember that message the Lord gave me. He was saying, what about his justice? Because our churches these days, all they preach about is about the love of God, how God is going to bless you and how God is going to make you rich. Okay, so this is what, um, you know, because that because of what Jesus did at the cross, because the altar 
of the cross is a very powerful force, a very powerful altar on this earth. This is the reason it is important to preach about the cross of Jesus Christ as an altar. Because if we do not preach about the cross of Jesus Christ as an altar, people will not be saved. They will not be, you know, they will, they will not understand what Jesus have done for them at the cross. This is why when the Lord gave me that message in 2011, he was saying that I should preach to his children that they should need to come to the full knowledge of what he did at the cross. Because if people do not understand what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary, how he gave his human life in order for us to come back to God, they will not be convicted of their sin and they will not give their life to Jesus. Therefore, there will be no salvation for them. Okay, so this is what the Lord is saying. It is important to preach about the cross of Jesus Christ as an altar. This was where the justice of God was met. God's anger because of our rebellion against him was met at the altar of the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay, so the reason, and also this is why God says, in the book of Romans, you know, Paul, Paul was writing to the Romans where he says, the reason the preaching of the cross, which, call, which God calls the power of God to salvation to those who are saved, but foolishness to those who are perishing. That is when we preach about the cross as an altar, okay, is the power of the cross itself that will convict people of their sins. And then they will repent and have faith in Jesus. And through that, they will be saved. Okay. So it's the power that brings people to salvation. But people who have been saved, those who have been convicted of their sins, they see it as what will save them. But those who don't believe, those who have not been convicted, they see it as foolishness because they don't understand how a man hanging on the cross can bring them to salvation. They don't understand it. You know, just as what Paul says, that the carnal mind cannot understand spiritual things, you know? So they don't understand it. Okay. So in, um, in, in other words, the cross is an altar that is connected to the release of the supernatural powers of God. Okay. So what this is mean is uh, when you come to the cross, and you give your life to Jesus, the power that is released from that cross, from that altar, is what will give us life. Remember, when we did about altars, what are altars? We said an altar is a power station. It's a power station. So when you come to the altar of the cross, the power of God is what will come through that altar to convict you of sin. This is, what Jesus, this is what Jesus said when he said he was going to send the Holy Spirit who will convict the world of sin and judgment and righteousness, okay? And which altar does the Holy Spirit come through? The Holy Spirit comes through the altar of the cross. He, he does not come through any other altar than the altar of the cross. So it's through the altar of the cross that the Spirit of God will come through to convict people of sin, you know, judgment and righteousness. So this is the reason our churches need to preach about the cross as an altar. 
Because if anything else is preached, it will not work. Because you need the spirit of God that is coming through that altar to convict people. Without conviction, people will remain in their sin. They will remain in their sin, you know? So in a way, this is the reason when the cross is preached, people get their healing, they get their salvation, they get their deliverance. But without the cross being preached, there will be no power. There will be no power. The Holy Spirit will not come through. People will not get healed. People will not get their salvation. There will be no deliverance. This is why majority of our churches are powerless because they're not preaching the cross as an altar of sacrifice where Jesus gave up his own life, you know, for us to be saved. And without letting people know, allowing them to have this knowledge of the altar as a, as a, you know, as a powerful altar, there will be no salvation because the spirit will not come through the altar. So no child of God should ever feel powerless and hopeless because they are connected to the most powerful altar in the universe, the altar of Calvary. Okay, so what this statement means is that as Christians, there's, there's, no, there's no reason for us to be fearful. There's no reason for us to feel hopeless, you know, because hopelessness is, is as if there's nothing for you, you're drowning, but there's nothing for you to grab hold of. But the altar of Calvary, the cross, is something for you to grab hold of. Like, for example, now, we people are so afraid of what is happening. The pandemic, COVID, they don't know what is actually happening. But those who have the hope in Jesus, those who have the hope in the cross of Calvary, they're not fearful, they're not hopeless, they're not powerless, you know? They have faith that whatever happens, they are standing on the rock that is stable, that never shakes, that never shakes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So the Bible tells us when we come to the altar of the cross, we receive our salvation, we receive our healing, we receive our deliverance, we receive forgiveness of our sins, okay? So at the altar of the cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ makes it possible for us to stand in the presence of our Father. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus at the altar, we can now boldly come into the throne room of our Father and receive help and mercy and grace in the time of need, okay? So this is what the altar have done for us, the altar of Jesus. So in the second part of this, our teaching, I'm going to talk about a life of consecration, a life of consecration. Consecration actually means, you know, a life of holiness. When you have been separated, God has separated you for himself. You, he will separate you from things, probably the things of the world, you know, and bring you closer to him. You live closer to him. You minister to him as his priest. This, this is a life of consecration. You don't mix. You're not an ordinary person, okay? 
you are living a holy life. This is what a life of consecration means. So in, in, um, in the book of Mark, um, chapter 8, verse 34, I will read that. It says, in this scripture, Jesus addresses his disciples. If anyone in, intends to come after me, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, the version. If anyone in, intends to come after me, let him deny himself forget, ignore, disown, and lose sight of himself and his own interest, and take up his cross, and join me as a disciple, and siding with my party, follow with me continually, cleaving steadfastly to me. What Jesus is saying to us in this scripture is, you know, Mark's original audience were Romans, and they understood what it meant to take up the cross. Death on a cross was a form of execution to, by the Roman authority to criminals, okay? Prisoners were required to carry their own cross to the place of execution. And this signified by them carrying their own cross, what it means, it signifies submission to Rome's power, okay? So Jesus using the image of carrying a cross to demonstrate the total submission required of his followers, total submission, okay? So Jesus is not saying, you know, he's not saying that we should seek pain needlessly, no. He was referring to the amount of effort believers will need to follow him moment by moment to do his will, okay? Even when the work is difficult and there's no immediate reward in sight. So what the Lord is saying here is, uh, if you are going to be his disciple, you need to understand following him is not easy. There's things you need to deny yourselves there's things that, you know, is no longer about you. It's about him. It's about self-denial. You know, no more your, your will coming into play. It's about his will, what he wants to do, okay? It's no longer about us. This is what he's saying. If we want to be his disciples, okay? So Jesus did not teach self-denial as an end you know, in itself. He does not desire us to be miserable for miserable, you know, for misery's sake. So we deny our, our you know, our, we deny the aspect of the self that leads to death. That is selfishness, cruelty, and indifference to the needs of others. This is what he's saying. You know, we human beings, it's always about us. We don't tend to do things that will benefit people, but we always ask, what is in it for me? What is in it for me? So if there's nothing in it for you, a lot of people are not quite willing to do anything for anybody. So this is what Jesus is saying. If you are going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to, you know, crucify 
that's your selfishness at the cross. This is what, he's, what he meant by carrying your cross. Cross is a place of crucifixion. You remember cross is an altar and at an altar, there's always a sacrifice. There's always a sacrifice at an altar. So this is what he's saying, that we need to crucify that our selfishness and become selflessness and become selflessness, okay? So this is what he's saying. It is not about us, it is all about other people. So in order to experience life and bring true life and hope to others, we need to crucify our selfish desires, our selfish will at the cross of Calvary, the greatest altar on this earth. So taking up our cross will require sacrifice and possibly pain but it will lead to a life with a new level of appreciation for Jesus and the service to others, okay? So what that sentence actually is saying is when we decide to submit to him and carry our cross, it will lead to a life of sacrifice and, you know, uh, probably a, a life of pain as well because fasting and praying regularly sometimes is hard. It is hard. But these are the sacrifices we have to do. These are the sacrifices we have to do if we want to live a life with a new level of appreciation for Jesus and also to serve others. It's about serving others. That is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's no longer about you. It's about serving others like Jesus served. You know, he came to serve. He did not come to lord it over anybody. He came to serve. He was the serving king. And that's why he, that's how he requires his disciples to be as well. People who serve. People who just don't think about themselves all the time but about others, hallelujah. So we should be willing to lose our lives for the sake of the good news, not because our lives are worthless, but because nothing, not even life itself, can compare to what we gain when we follow Jesus, okay? So this is what he's saying to us. So Jesus wants us to choose to follow him rather than to live a life of sin and self-satisfaction, self-satisfaction. He wants us to stop trying to control our own destinies and to let him direct us. This makes good sense because as the creator, Jesus knows better than we do, you know, what real life is about. He asks for submission not self-hatred. He asks us only to lose our self-centeredness and determination to be in charge, okay? So, you know, many people spend all their energy seeking pleasure. Jesus said, however, that worldliness, which is centered on possession, position of power, is at the end worthless. At the end, it is worthless. Because all the things we are struggling for here, when we die, we're not going to take it to heaven with us. 
is going to be remain is going to remain here. So what is the point of struggling, of striving for possessions? This is what the Lord is saying. He's saying, he said, because whatever we have on earth is only temporarily. It's, it, it cannot be exchanged for your soul. It cannot be exchanged for your soul. So if you work hard at getting what you want, it might seem like you have satisfactory life, but eventually you will find that it is a shallow and empty thing. Just like what the Bible says, it's all vanity, vanity upon vanity. So the Lord is calling us to carry up our cross and follow him and live a life of consecration, a life of submission and sacrifice. That is what he's calling us to. Amen. 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 Oh. Amen. 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 Oh, that's it. That's what I've got to share for today. Mm. So, uh, does anybody want to expand on anything? You want to ask questions? What's, what do you want me to explain? You know? I have a question. Uh -huh. the, uh, talking about altar, uh -huh. this uh, Catholic, Catholic people, uh -huh. that, that's their own altar. Is it the real right altar or I don't know? You know, if you go to their house, the one corner, they will put a statue of Jesus or Mary. Is that, that is it their own author? Is it correct? Is it the right author? Well, when you have Mary, what 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 is the first commandment? What did God say? The first commandment. That shall not have any idols beside me. Hmm? Mary is an idol. It's an idol. That's what it is. A molded image, an idol. Okay. So what is the point of having Mary and Jesus together? It's like the Hindus. They have all sorts of gods. They have Mary, they have Jesus, they have Buddha, they have this all together in one place. That's, an, to me personally, that's a demonic altar. It's not an altar of the Lord. Because the Bible says, that shall not have any idols beside me. That is the first commandment. And they have felt that. They are putting Mary beside Jesus. It's not right. It's not right. Amen. 